1: And welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz, and I am joined today by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, the nicest man to ever attack you for lethal, it's
0: Matt Morgan. Joey, you shouldn't be worried about your smartphone spying on you. Your vacuum's been picking up dirt on you for years. (sighs) See, Matt, you're the guy who always does
1: the dad joke on the podcast, but you're not actually a dad. Does that make you a faux
0: -paw paw I, I appreciate your effort on that. Oh come on! Oh, this is also star- also terrible. <laughs> it was it was yeah, it was worse than even the worst of mine. I'm
1: sure it was. Next up, the fella who puts the Phyrexian man into Phyrexian mana, we got <laughs> Dana Roach.
2: And I tap for triple Phyrexian mana as of today. Oh,
1: goodness. That will be a lot of fun. (laughs) This is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is a deck building website that collects data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, we like to give all that data a little more context. Fellas, something's new here. We're, we're on video.
0: It's a little bit terrifying. Hi video world. (laughs) What's up, YouTube?
1: Yeah, listeners, if you are used to listening to us just on podcast, you can now come visit our YouTube channel at EDHRECcast and come look at our ugly faces, be horrified by them, and then return right to listening to us back on audio. But yes, we are now on video. This is a huge improvement that we're really, really excited about. And yes, that does mean that we are going to have card images on the YouTube channel, which is a really big thing that I know assists me a whole lot when I am watching different podcasts or channels to see the cards that people are talking about. So we are really, really excited about this particular development. Uh, This does mean that uh, other few, you know, other changes have also been happening. We want to give a huge, huge amount of thanks to Ken Petal, also known as Kenish Norn, Thank you, Ken, so much for your 92 episodes of Service Helping Editing the podcast, and we are excited for all of the new things that you will do to come, and all of the new things for the cast in the future as well. And in addition to this particular upgrade to the cast having video functionality, I also want to take a quick moment to mention that EDH Trek has undergone a few cosmetic improvements as well. It has a few updates to its functionality, minor upgrades that help the look and the feel of the site, including an improved UI where you get a small pop-up menu to jump right to different sections if you want to jump right to the artifact section right to the utility artifacts right to the lands right to utility lands right to creatures you can actually do that you don't have to scroll through an entire page to get to those particular sections you can actually just zoom right to them this is a really cool new feature that the programmers on edh have been working really hard on and it's really awesome to see these updates and you know just to see edh getting better and better as time goes on it's a new year and a new us and i'm really really excited about it but you know what else i'm excited about I'm excited for Theros Beyond Death. It's so crazy. Guys, what is this set? There's so much going on. And we have a slight surprise planned for that particular review when it does come out. So we hope that you guys will join us again next week for that. Matt, Dana, are you guys excited? Are there any particular cards that you want to jump off with that have really caught your attention before we get to our proper review?
0: I think the better question is what has not caught our attention. Ah! Because this set is (laughs) insane. Oh my gosh, like I I it, it's it's kind of like Dominaria where a, a card is previewed and we get excited about it, but then 20 minutes later something else gets previewed again and we forget all about the thing we were just excited about because there's so much to be excited about. Like right. the the Nixborn ancient the the triple mana enchantment <laughs> creature was just previewed today. <laughs> what
2: is this card? Yeah, that thing's a little nutty. Dana, what about you? Where are you at? Well, I mean, I think like my, my expectations were fairly low for this because the first Thero set was fairly low powered, especially after coming off of Innistrad and Ravnica. Um, so my, my expectations were kind of like that this would be a relatively soft set again for no reason other than the first Thero set was. And instead we just like keep getting just beater after beater after beater. Um, Yeah, it's it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I don't think I anticipated 30 legendary creatures in the Theros set. Like Right, Ah! right, exactly. Yeah, that really threw me for a loop. But our actual proper review will be next week. Again, keep your eyes peeled. There's a slight surprise that we have in mind for the way that we'll be conducting that review, but that is not our main topic for this show. Our main topic for this show will actually be a very bizarre, can we answer it using numbers type of question? And that's simply what was the best set from 2019. This is something that we're going to attempt to use a little bit of the data on EDHREC to try and understand, to see if we can go through the popularity that we're seeing for each of the sets, the cards within the 99 and the different commanders therein, to see what was the quote best set from 2019. So as a quick reminder, who were our competitors? What were these sets that actually took place in 2019, because there was a lot of products, so we just want to get them all in order. Matt, can you remind us all of
0: the sets that took place in 2019 that we will be evaluating today? Sure can. So starting with the most recent, we're going to be looking at Throne of Eldraine, Commander 2019, Corset 2020, Modern Horizons, War of the Spark, and Ravnica Allegiance. Those are the sets that we are looking in that came out as mainstream products in 2019.
1: Now, before we actually get started looking at any particular numbers and trying to evaluate something as being best simply based off of statistics and percentages, which is itself, you know, kind of a little loose, because frankly, a lot of this does come down to aesthetics. That's why I kind of want to ask, what was your personal favorite set, regardless of numbers or anything like that? Dana, let's start with you. What was your personal number one set or number one card
2: or, or something like that? Which one is the best for you? I think it might have been Modern Horizons. Um, I, I just really liked the kind of time spiral block feel of the whole thing where it's like, hey, let's put Rampage on a land and see what happens. <laughs> like that that for me was a lot of fun. And Just card after card that was just completely like, I don't know if we should do it, but we can, so we will. <laughs> And it clearly wasn't great for Modern based on everyone's reactions I've seen <laughs> it over the course of the last six or eight months. <laughs> it was not. But it was – as a Commander player, it was a lot of fun seeing all this crazy stuff.
0: It's hard to argue with that too, yeah. And like we said a few weeks ago, it's it's really hard to argue with Modern Horizons. Even the commons are just absurdly good right. in Commander. Yeah. I, it's really hard for me to pick against War of the Spark, though, just because all the haymakers in that set were such yeah. incredible haymakers. I mean, I, I know I'm biased. Finale Devastation is bug nutty. But yeah, it, through and through from the Planeswalkers to everything, I, I have to go with the War of the Spark, even though I, I do agree, Dana. Modern Horizons is an incredibly good set.
1: So, So here's an important question that I think piggybacks off of that one. Which do you guys personally put more weight on when evaluating a set? Do you put more weight on the commanders, the legendary creatures that come in that set, or do you put more weight on the cards that would go into the 99? Dana, let's start with you again.
2: I think the commanders catch your eye and they're really tough to not have standard in your brain. Like when you see a set that gives you something like feather and, or, or you know, Muldrotha in years past, like the, the big premier commander from the year tends to make the whole set look good and if there's a bunch of them like we had in dominaria that set just stands out in your brain um but you know there's only so many commanders so many decks you can build as an individual in a year unless you're brian canada Um, (laughs) the guy who's making all of the edh decks right yeah (laughs) um so i think like Despite those standing out, for me personally, it's the cards that go in ninety nine that
0: matter more. Matt, how about you? I tend to agree. Like Dana put it really well, actually, the 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 marquee cards, the haymakers, those are what catches your eye and and kind of mm-hmm. sets the tone for the rest of the set. Corvold kind of set the tone for what Eldraine means to commander. But there there are more cards in the ninety nine than there are commanders, so I I do agree. The 99 matters to me more, but I, I I can see why people think that the Commanders kind of make the bigger impact because that's what everybody focuses on. Everybody talks about, oh, that, that Korvold deck. They don't talk about, oh, that Winding Way deck or that Path to Exile deck. They talk about the Commanders. So I think the the 99 matters more, but it could go either way.
2: I mean, you, you build one Corval deck, but you put... Return of the Wildspeaker into three decks, and exactly. you put the Great hinge into two decks, and you put Value Devastation into two decks, or whatever amazing green card I'm going to name next, because they're almost <laughs> you, always you put, amazing You put the Great Henge in every green deck. <laughs> right, right. You put the green card in the deck.
1: Uh, I mean, I can't really disagree with you. I also have a personal affinity for War of the Spark, but at the same time, that's where Feather the Redeemed was released, and y'all know that she is my bae. I mean, I am a necromancer, but (laughs) I've been waiting on the Feather card for like 15 years, so I love her. But at the same time, that's also kind of why we wanted to use some of these numbers to try and evaluate the sets a bit more critically, because Feather is, for example, a really amazing standout commander from that set. But are all of the other commanders necessarily popular from that set? That might actually be something that kind of serves as a knock against that set when we start looking at its overall popularity compared to the other sets from 2019. So let's briefly walk through the different metrics that we will be using to evaluate the actual goodness or bestness, or however you want to call it, of each of the different sets that we had from 2019. These are the different metrics that we'll use. The first one is simply the total number of commanders, because, I mean, more options is certainly always better. The second metric will be the spread of commander popularity. You know, sort of what I was just talking about with that whole feather business. If there's only one super popular commander and the rest are kind of really low, not all that interesting, then that's you know not necessarily as strong a support for you know that particular set being the most important or the best compared to a set that actually has a very even spread where the commanders are actually all pretty similarly popular. That seems like a, a better thing for a set to have rather than just one or two good standouts. The third metric that we'll be using is the top 10 commanders from all year, measuring which sets have the most inclusions from among the top 10 commanders of the year. Then, final note for the commanders, we're going to be looking at the average adoption of commanders, sort of relative to their release date. This is a weird one to explain, but we'll get to it when we get there. Then we're also going to look at some of the cards in the 99. Our fifth metric that we'll use are going to be the top 10 non-commander cards of the year, seeing all of the sets that actually have members among the top 10 for just the cards in the 99 we also want to take a look at the average adoption of cards in the 99 again relative to their release date and the final one that we want to mention is not just the actual average adoption but also the number of cards that are above 10 percent adoption which again requires probably a bit of explanation but we'll get to it when we get to it and before we begin I just want to also reiterate that we can't use any of these individual metrics alone to measure a set's, you know, worthiness. A set might have a lot of legends in it, but if only 2 of them see play, that's, you know, not really great if, you know, the rest are not that super popular. Or if a set has amazing commanders, but kind of crabby cards in the 99 or vice versa, well, then that's just one particular lens. So we want to try and get a really big diverse spread of lens. But ultimately, the thing that matters most to us is our personal aesthetic as well, which is why we began with that question earlier. Anyway, I just sort of wanted to put that out there before we get started, but now I actually really want to get started. So I think that we will. Let's start with our first metric, the total number of commanders per set. Matt, do you want to walk us through the number of commanders that we had in each of the sets from 2019?
0: Let's do this. So from start to finish in 2019, we had Ravnic Allegiance, which only had eight total commanders, but they did have some good ones. There was Taysa Karlov that led the way. Coming up next was War of the Spark with 16 commanders, and that's where Feather the Redeemed Joey, that's where Mm. she came into play there. Uh, Modern Horizons was next after that. Only eight legends there, but there were some really good ones. Morophon, Urza, Yoggmoth. all three of those. Very, very good commanders. Very powerful. After that, Corset 2020 had 12 commanders, headlined by Golos, but this one was chock full of powerful legendaries. After that again, Commander 2019 with 16 legends with Miss Angie Falconrath, one of yeah. Joey's favorites. Kirik, Elsha the Infinite. There were some very, very good commanders there too. But coming in last and most. <laughs> Throne of Eldrain had 19 legends, headlines by Korvald, like we talked about, the fae Cursed King, the Big Jun Dragon, but there was also Alila, the Artful Provocateur, Chulain, Teller of Tales. There were some insane commanders there.
1: And I guess this is a good moment for us to clarify that we are talking about the brawl decks in conjunction with Throne of Eldraine because that is the way that yes. they are organized on the site EDH rec rather than you know separating out Corvold and all of them as the uh, separate brawl decks that are different from the set so we are sort of lumping all of those together but yeah 19 legendary creatures I mean it doesn't hold a candle to apparently Theros's 30 legendary creatures coming up but 19 <laughs> legendary creatures basically means that Throne of Eldraine in terms of just total number of commanders is gonna have to get the point here
0: yeah, they're, counting the Brawl decks, it really pushed it over the top. But even then, if we're talking about just pack commanders that come in actual booster packs. Torben would have shown up in a, a fairly high number anyways, especially compared to other sets. So it's not like there wasn't powerful commanders within the actual set proper.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good reading. And a quick bit of information that I also wanted to sort of apply to this particular uh, metric that we were using is also the total number of commanders that were actually above a certain threshold. Because, you know, again, just having a whole bunch of legendary creatures doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are super good. And we'll get to a different metric that measures that a little bit uh, later here soon. But I also kind of wanted to just academically, for interest, uh, look at the total number of uh, commanders that were above a certain threshold. And I picked the number 1000 I wanted to see, you know, which of these sets have a number of commanders that are above 1,000 decks on the website. So for instance, looking at Ravnica Allegiance, we can see that it only has one commander that managed to reach over 1,000 decks, which was the headliner Tesa. And then War of the Spark also only had one commander, Feather, that was over 1,000 decks on the site. Modern Horizons had two, both Morophon and Urza, where... Corset 2020 starts to pick things up with three Golos, Yarak, and Kaikar, then falling off quite a bit after that. Commander 2019, surprisingly, has zero commanders that were over that were over the 1,000 deck threshold, which really, really surprised me. And this, I guess, is also where I should probably note the caveat that all of this information was drawn at the very beginning of this particular year. So things might have changed in the, you know, week before. Uh, this particular episode came out. Finally, Throne of Eldrain has two commanders that are above the thousand deck threshold. So, when we use a different lens, Throne of Eldrain doesn't win, you know, necessarily outright because of its sheer number of commanders when we look at the commanders that are actually the most popular. But we're not going to actually use that metric. We do want to look at just the total here because we will look at the actual rate of adoption in a different way later on for a different one of those metrics. But it is just something that I wanted to throw out there as kind of an interesting caveat.
2: Well, and we should also probably note here briefly that those numbers for Eldraine are pretty impressive when you consider the sets have been out you know, three and a half months or so when compared to War of the Spark having been out for six months, giving people a chance to make decks that long. Or Allegiance, at this point, a year it's been out. So Eldraine's numbers are pretty impressive just on their own, but when you consider that kind of degree of difficulty in it, they're even better looking.
1: Exactly. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's an important thing here. Just looking at sheer numbers doesn't tell the story of the time which is definitely an important factor that we want to address here so yeah really glad that you brought that up uh let's move on now to our next category and this is the spread of popularity amongst those commanders again sort of taking a critical look at a you know set if it had one really popular commander but then kind of a bunch of other stragglers is that necessarily as strong as a set that has a bunch of simultaneously popular commanders so we're gonna get a little bit math E here because what we use to calculate the spread of popularity is the usual metric that statisticians will use when looking at the spread of popularity within a given data set, and that's the standard deviation. This is, if I'm just going to read the Wikipedia definition of the standard deviation because it's confusing to me too, listeners, I understand listening to math is kind of weird, but standard deviation just indicates the extent of deviation from the whole group. So in statistics, and literally, I'm just reading the definition here, the standard deviation is a measure of the amount of variation or dispersion among a set of values. A low standard deviation indicates that the values tend to be close to the mean, which is the average, of the set, while a high standard deviation indicates that the values are spread out over a wider range. So what we're basically looking for here is the lower number because we want to see commanders that are closer together in terms of popularity as opposed to a high dispersion, a high variation, which would indicate that like one commander is really popular while the rest are not super popular. So Dana, I'm now going to pass it off to you. What are the numbers that we're getting here when we start looking at the spread of data and which set has the lowest because that is what we're looking for.
2: So going through the sets over the course of the year, um Ravnica Allegiance had a deviation of five sixteen. War of the Spark had a deviation of four twelve. The number for Modern Horizons was three fifty seven, significantly lower. Uh, course at twenty twenty, we're back up to six zero four. It drops back down for Commander twenty nineteen at three thirty five, and Throne of Eldraine is at four eighteen. So the winner for the set with the least variance is Commander 2019 at 335. Yeah, all the commanders from that set are a
1: bit more close together, which is what we were looking for here, compared to, you said it was Corset 2020, which has 604, so that's a ton of deviance uh, among that particular data set, so definitely the loser there, but Commander 2019, congrats for winning. You've got a lot
2: of commanders that are much closer together in
1: terms of popularity.
2: And it makes sense when you're looking at the numbers, like Ravnica Allegiance had a pretty high number, Well, Taysa Karlov is a very popular commander particularly compared to the ones in the bottom end that no one really built, like the new Zagana or like the Haunt of Hightower. And you see the same thing over in the core set where you have Golos being a really, really popular commander, same thing with Yarok. same thing with Kaikar, And at the bottom, you have commanders like Dracusath or Atemsis or Rhiann that very few people wound up building.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can see this really steep drop off when you start looking at the numbers. If you just go to any one of these pages, for example, you had mentioned, you know, in Corset, Golos, like 1800 x Yarak at nearly 1600. But then you go just two more steps down that list and then suddenly you're down in the 600 range instead of being in the... 1600 range. Like, that's a huge drop-off. And we don't see that particular type of drop-off with the Commanders of 2019. It's a lot more consistent. You get a lot more that are in the 900, 900, 900, 900, 800, 800 range. So they actually are a bit more clustered together in terms of popularity. So that is why Commander 2019 wins on this particular metric. Congrats to it. But that means that we are now moving on to our next metric. We're going to be looking at the average rate of adoption for these commanders. And what I mean by that is that this is relative to the time that they've actually been around. Remember earlier how we mentioned that, you know, Throne of Eldraine is a lot newer than, for example, Ravnica Allegiance. And that means that its numbers are definitely really impressive, but we can't just look at the numbers because we have to factor in time as well. So we're going to be looking at the number of commander decks and then divide it by the number of days that they've You know been in existence how many days of those commanders actually had because that gives us a ratio about how many decks per day this commander actually generated over time as opposed to just looking at some sheer numbers so let's go in order we started 2019 with ravnica allegiance which when you look at all of the commanders and then combine them all up and then divide that by the set's basic lifespan you get an average of 12.3 decks per day from ravnica allegiance's commanders Then when we move on to War of the Spark, which came out around May or so, you get an average of about 20 decks per day from the Commanders of War of the Spark, which is definitely a lot more than 12 that we just saw. But it gets even better when we move on to June's Modern Horizons. Then we have 26 decks per day, which is definitely a whole lot better, but it just keeps Going, you guys. Next up is Corset 2020. Those commanders averaged a combined 42.9 decks per day, which is definitely a lot more. And it just keeps going. We keep on increasing the numbers here. Commander 2019 was next from August 23rd. This one has 63 decks per day on average, which is definitely pretty impressive. But the final set of 2019, Throne of Eldraine, which came out in October, that one averaged 81 decks per day. So we started at 12 decks per day with Ravnica Allegiance, and then we ended with Throne of Eldraine's 81 decks per day. Those commanders definitely swept this particular category. Throne of Eldraine once again gets the point for having commanders that were the most consistently popular relative to its lifespan.
2: And one thing we should note here too is that trend really shouldn't be surprising um, even divorced from the content of those sets. You know, a, a movie does its box office on, on on week one, and then it's less popular on week two, everyone who wanted to see it saw it. And on work th- week three, it's even less, and week four, and so on and so on. You know, people do tend to build those commanders right away and very early. So obviously Eldraine's going to have that high number because people built it during those first several weeks. And as it dropped off, it's had less chance to drop off versus Allegiance that had that initial rush, I'm sure as well. And then has now had an entire year to decline.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a story that the numbers alone won't necessarily tell you. So again, really glad that you pointed that out. There's a lot of nuance that it comes to. We will still give Throne of Eldraine the point in this particular instance, but that drop-off effect is definitely something that we've observed, even in our own episode when we had the data bar chart races. That's something that we were able to Mm -hmm. observe there, is commander popularity falling off as the months come. So, as we move into 2020, we'll have to see if that effect also strikes the commanders from Throne of Eldraine. For now, though, we have one more category, one more metric that we're going to be using to look at specifically the commanders before we move on to Cards from the 99. And that category is inclusion among the top 10 commanders of the year. Matt, I'm going to pass this one off to you. What were the top 10 commanders of 2019?
0: So, the top 10 commanders of 2019, I'll just go down the list from top to bottom. We had Corvold, Fakehurst King, Alila, Artful Provocateur, Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, Chulain, Teller of Tales, Kenrith, the King of All of Eldrain, <laughs> Yarok, the Desecrated, Sir Gwyn then Kaikar, the Flying Jeskai Monster, Torbrin, Lord of the Pangers, and Miss Angie Falconrath coming in at number 10. So the total by set, that means Throne of Eldraine had six of the top 10 commanders on 2019. Core 2020 had three of them, and 2019 took the last one with only one commander in the top 10.
1: Yeah, that Miss Angie snuck in there to give one point to Commander 2019. But once again, we see Throne of Eldraine sweeping the Oscars here because it has a lot of commanders among the top 10 of the year.
2: Yeah, the existence of those Brawl decks really makes a big (laughs) difference there, for sure. And again, you have some recency bias where they have had less days to to decline in popularity. Um, But I, I, I think... Corvald and Alella and Julaine are definitely probably going to be around for a while. They're very popular, very powerful, and I would guess we'll still be talking about them next year because I think they'll still be being brewed.
1: I do think that that's a very, very fair thing. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out as well. So, we've been talking a whole lot of numbers, like a whole lot of numbers, but we actually want to take a very brief break from all of these categories and all these metrics to move into our traditional segment, challenging the stats. Before we move on to those cards within the 99, we're going to challenge some stats before we get there. Dana, do you mind starting us off?
2: I certainly can. The uh, first, the, the the card I'm going to challenge here is a card from way back in Avison Restored, it's in currently 546 decks, and I'm talking about Essence Harvest. It's a sorcery. It says target player loses X life, and you gain X life, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Uh, in particular, I'm going to challenge this in uh, Draena Clustria Highborn decks, um, big Man Drana, basically. But if you're playing any kind of a black commander that does something that makes it un- believably large and and Drena definitely does that, but like I think that's a thing Cresh does, and I think the new uh Grieven Predator captain tends to do it. Um Micaeus can do it as well, but definitely like Karlov of the Ghost Council, if you are playing a black deck where your commander gets huge, it's oftentimes three mana to just kill somebody. And particularly in a deck in commander where you're playing multiple players, when you have that big commander, you can only hit one of them, you know, one opponent per turn. Essence Harvest kind of changes that. When you pump that Draena up and she domes somebody for 22, having Essence Harvest in hand to turn around and hit somebody else for 22 and then gain 22 life at the same time, it's almost like a double strike move on two different players. It's a really, really strong card in those kind of black decks. It definitely should be in more than 400 and, or excuse me, 546 decks. If you're playing Draena, if you're playing Crash, if you're playing Karlov, I think you should for sure give it a look. I love this pick. I've been
1: using this in my Rayhan Ishai deck because that deck gets huge creatures with tons of plus one, plus one counters on it. And it's exactly like you said, I've been able to smack one player for lethal. Someone else thinks that they're perfectly safe because my combat step is over. And then I play Essence Harvest and whoop, they're dead too.
2: Yeah, yeah. And in, in the life gain isn't, isn't nothing either. Like even if you don't hit somebody for lethal, you just use it to hit them for, you know, eight or 10 or 12 or something. For three mana, knocking them down that much life and, and putting you up that much can make the difference in you dying or you living one or two more turns. Yeah,
0: I yeah. love that pick. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I think people overlook lifelink or just life gain in general sometimes. So that is a really good point that, you know, sure, it's kind of a fling type of effect, but gaining life is is a pretty good positive there. So I do like that pick too.
2: And you don't lose the creature, which is even which even is, you know, better. Even better.
0: Yeah. yeah. Alrighty,
1: we're going to move on now to my challenge. I'm looking at the Commander Arcades, the Strategist, the amazing Bont Wall Defender Man. And the specific card that I'm looking at here that I'm really surprised to see such low popularity on is the card Orator of Ojutai. This is a 2-mana, zero four Bird Monk with Defender and Flying that says, as an additional cost to cast Orator of Ojutai, you may reveal a Dragon card from your hand. And when Orator of Ojutai enters the battlefield, if you reveal the Dragon card or or control the dragon as you cast Orator of Ogetai, you draw a card. This is only showing up in 36% of Arcade's decks, and I cannot fathom why, because it's basically a flying version of the card Wall of Omens. Wall of Omens being a 2-mana 0-4 defender that also draws you a card when it enters, and Wall of Omens is seeing play in like 78% of Arcade's decks. Orator of Ogetai wants you to have a dragon when you cast it so that you can draw the card well Arcades is exactly that this is a flying wall of omens that will draw you an extra card and i just think it deserves to see as much play if not more than wall of omens the card's even cheaper than wall of omens so there's not even a budget excuse here like i think this is a really (laughs) good pick that people are sleeping on
0: i think that yeah i think that's a good good pick Arcades doesn't really have a very big target on his back so uh, I, he should. That, that commander should. Scary. Yes, he should. But Ojutai, or not Ojutai, Arcades isn't near as threatening as it. It doesn't look as threatening, I guess I should say, as it really is. And if you have Arcades out, you're going to be doing a lot of things. And Arcades makes Orator of Ojutai trigger when it enters the battlefield because Arcades is a dragon. So, yeah, I I agree with this pick. More often than not, you're probably going to be able to let Arcades sit around for a few turns because people aren't going to give it the proper attention that that Arcades deserves.
1: Yeah, really, really interesting stuff happening there. But we've got one last challenge. Matt, that's yours.
0: Oh, it's my turn now. Well, Joey, I hear you like black cards, so I'm going to challenge a black card, but not in the good way, I'm sorry. So I'm going to look specifically at Rayami, first of the Fallen deck. So in case you don't remember, Rayami is that Sultai commander where whenever a creature dies, you exile it and you put a blood counter on it. And basically, any keyword that gets exiled on a creature then goes to Rayami as well. So I'm looking at the card Living Death. This card does not work the way you think it does with Rayami. So I came across a play last week where the player cast Living Death and thought, oh, this is great because Rayami has Indestructible. So I'm going to get to keep Riami, get rid of every creature, and get all these keywords no 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 not so fast so living death is three black black for a sorcery that reads each player exiles all creature cards from his or her graveyard then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls then puts all cards he or she exiled this way onto the battlefield so basically it's kind of a swip swap flip-flop cards creatures in the graveyard and the battlefield anything that was on the battlefield gets sacrificed which gets around indestructible which is the very important part Living Death currently is showing up in 6% of Rami decks, and I think that is too much because we had to point out to the player, no, it doesn't matter if Rayami is indestructible because it still gets sacrificed, which gets around being indestructible or hexproof or anything like that.
1: I love that you're challenging a card that is only showing up in 6% of the total 155 Rayami decks. Like, 6% is too much. It's 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 far too much. It I is. love that you're challenging such a small number, but that's, that's actually fair. Like, being critical even of those things in the margins is definitely
0: valid. I'm I'm taking a Dana Roach special today, but I think it's just a lot of these (laughs) little specific interactions that I think a lot of players overlook because they think a card is so good. So they assume that's going to be good in certain decks, but you need to kind of look at some of the specifics on how those cards operate to make sure it's working within the overall game plan of your commander. And this is one of those examples.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see a world where maybe folks are trying to take advantage of the fact that Ryami will exile other people's creatures so they won't have as much to get back from the graveyard because Ryami's been exiling all of them, but that also applies to Ryami's own creatures. So it is a bit of an awkward principle right. there and you would probably better, you know, better served to just using a traditional board wipe, especially if Ryami's indestructible, which is definitely one of the first keywords that you want to get on that particular commander. Exactly. All right, guys, are you ready to jump back into the metrics and all of the data and all of the numbers and all of that jazz? Definitely. Let's do it. All righty. We are going to be looking now at not just the commanders from 2019. But actually, the cards in the 99, what we want to look at are, first up, the average rate of adoption for the cards within the 99. The same metric that we were using and we averaged up all of the commanders from 2019 and, you know, sort of ratioed them compared to their actual lifespan. So, we'll start off by looking at Ravnica Allegiance, which averaged a total of 2.24 cards per day that got put into decks over time. Then we have War of the Spark, which averaged almost five cards per day. It was actually 4.93 cards per day from the War of the Spark offerings. Up next was Modern Horizons, which gave people an average of, you know, four cards per day showed up in decks on EDH rec uh, from the Modern Horizons set. Moving on now to Core 2020, we had about 3.33 cards per day from the cards in the 99 of Core 2020. Then we've got Commander 2019, which blows the rest out of the water with 6.13 cards per day. I want to put an asterisk on that number, but we will get back to that later. That is definitely a higher number than the other stuff that we're seeing, including the last set of 2019 Throne of Eldraine, which offered Commander players only an average of about 3.89 cards per day when we started looking at all of the decks, all of the data that we were getting per day from Edia Trek. That number 6.13, Commander 2019 blew the rest out of the water, which were down in like the three and the four category. Commander 2019 had a lot to offer, it seems. But I want to note here one of the reasons why that might be. It's because it had a significantly smaller sample size than all the rest of the sets. A set like Ravnica Allegiance has a few cool things to offer us, including the card Smothering Tithe. But then it also has a lot of stankers, a lot of draft chaff, too, which is not a thing that Committer 2019 had. So that's something that's definitely
0: influencing these numbers. I just love how you said stankers. That's, that's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I took away from that I, I, entire spiel.
2: I have the same note, Matthew.
0: Okay, well, at least I'm not <laughs> alone.
1: So I, that just sort of means that I actually want to kind of change the lens on this a little bit. This is probably one of our more iffy categories. But basically, I actually kind of wanted to apply the small-scale metric of Commander 2019. Since it had so few cards to actually provide, it's kind of no wonder that they got more on average. You know, no one was buying the apparently it's funny how I say this, stankers from Ravnica Allegiance, (laughs) but there weren't that many stankers in Commander 2019. So I wanted to apply Commander 2019's sample size to the rest of the sets and see how that affected their data. I wanted to look at I mean, if Commander 2019 only had 59 non-Commander cards in the set, I wanted to look at the top 59 cards from each of the sets, and this definitely changes the numbers up quite a lot. Let's go back through them. Ravnica Allegiance, when we look at just the top 59 cards that could go into decks, we got about 7.37 cards per day. War of the Spark? That gave us about 15 cards per day, which is pretty darn intense. Modern Horizons, when looking at the top 59 cards, we had 11.18 cards per day. Then we had Core 2020, which gave us about 8.2 cards per day. Commander 2019, as before, 6.13, because there were only 59 cards in that set. And then finally, Throne of Eldraine had 14.09. So when we change the metric around a little bit, what we get is actually quite a lot more in favor of War of the Spark when we're just looking at the 59 card, the same sample size as Commander 2019. I know that was a whole lot of numbers, people, but basically I want to ask you guys which of these sets you think should win? War of the Spark, which had the higher number when we looked at the you know smaller sample size, or actually Commander 2019 because as a set completed upon itself, it did have the highest number compared to all the other sets that I dropped
0: where do you guys think the point should go it's kind of hard to say actually
2: yeah i i feel like the 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 scaled out numbers probably makes things a little bit more fair but you know there's also kind of issues with that as well where they can concentrate the stuff all at the top in a commander set because it's it's a deck designed to play out of the out of the box with all functional cards, whereas you have chaff and the other other sets that's baked in for draft purposes. You know, six and one, half
0: dozen of the other, I guess. I, I, oof, I don't know. I'm going to go with the numbers that are adjusted for inflation, but that also seems... I, I don't know if yeah Throne of I'm, I'm leaning really, that way. I'm I'm leaning that way as well, Matt, because of the lack of stankers. The lack of <laughs> the lack of stankers has a very big impact. I don't think that should be overlooked by any means. But I it, it when you think about Throne of Eldraine compared to Commander 2019 and and you said, Joey, we're only looking at the top 59 cards, correct? Yes. So I think if we took the average, it's probably somewhere in the middle, because I I really struggle to think that cards from Throne of Eldraine were adopted over twice as much as Commander 2019 on average, because Throne of Eldraine still had some stankers. Plus, like we said, the recency bias, people are still building so many cards within such a small window for Throne of Eldraine compared to Ravnica Allegiance, for example. So I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I'd be interested to see how we could kind of, well, we shouldn't cook the numbers because that's what mobsters do. And we're not monsters ah! here. I, I would make a terrible hitman, So I just give people hugs. So Matt,
1: the rails, you've gone so far off them. I don't know how to drag you back in,
0: man. Joey, we've been doing this for almost a hundred episodes. You should know that the rails don't mean anything to this train, this is but I do, I, true. I do think that we're getting back on, on topic. I think the numbers are probably somewhere in the middle. Cause it, when you look at the the numbers adjusted for the inflation compared to commander 2019 like i said 14.09 cards per day from throne of eldraine compared to only 6.13 that's a huge disparity and i don't think that yeah. top to bottom commander 2019 was that much worse than throne of eldraine so i i would probably go like a 60 40 split on how we should weigh the numbers <laughs> So I, I know I'm not picking a definitive side. I appreciate you for putting these together. But yeah, it's really hard to tell because when you look at the the numbers adjusted to match 2019, the the, the scale goes off so far. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell.
1: Well, I appreciate those three minutes of wishy-washy nonsense. Thank you, Matt. I guess the only thing left for us to do is maybe leave it to our listeners to decide which is the appropriate metric. And to move on to our next category. We- So let's actually take a look at what those cards are when we move on to our next category, and that is going to be the card Ubiquity. We're again looking by percentage here, not just the total number of cards, because percentage is really what matters. And what we're looking for, and these are just stats that you can go to any of these set pages on EDHREC to find, we're going to be looking for the sets that actually have the most cards over the 10% inclusion threshold. And this is a pretty important thing because you know some cards, for example, a colorless artifact, can go into any deck, but something like a white or a white-blue card can go into just specific you know, decks of a certain color identity. So percentage is hopefully a good way that we're going to be able to even those things out as opposed to just looking at sheer numbers.
0: So so Joey, just to clarify, for the listeners, because I obviously know what these numbers mean, for the <laughs> listeners, this is the percentage of eligible decks that they're making it into, like you said. So it's not just, say we're going to talk about an artifact. Artifacts would be compared against all decks, whereas a blue-white card would only be compared about Against all blue white decks.
1: Exactly. Yes. Perfect. And this is also where we will see some of those cards that are really shining from among all of these sets. So, Dana, I'll pass this one off to you. Walk us through the card ubiquity from all of the sets of 2019.
2: So, starting the year with Ravnica Allegiance, we had five cards that made 10% ubiquity. Um, the most notable among them is Rhythm of the Wild, which is a Haste Enabler and Smothering Tithe. Then we jumped to the Spark that had 18 cards over the threshold. Uh, Dovins Vido, Despark, Ashiok all made the list, but they, it goes pretty deep. There's, like we said, 18 of those. Uh, Modern Horizons, though, not far behind at 13, in large part because of the lands and the talismans especially. Um, those are two great cycles, and they showed up in a ton of decks. Core 2020 only had four cards making the cut, Golos, which we've mentioned before, uh, Motor and Reclavation, there's Risen Wreath, so there's some strong cards there, but only four that made it. Commander 2019, however, the worst of the bunch, Dockside Distortionist is the only card that broke 10%. And then back to Throne, we've got nine cards. Uh, no surprise, Arcane sitting at the top. elder Elders got a lot of use as well. And then Mystic Sanctuary at number three at
1: 16%. Dang, War of the Spark had more like it had so many cards it had 18 cards that were able to get over 10 percent popularity and commander 2019 only had one card dockside extortionist at 18 percent. the next most popular was a commander marisi and to be clear, we're talking about Marisi in the context of the 99, not also as a commander. And Marisi only showed up in like 9% of decks. It was a huge drop off in terms of ubiquity from that particular set. Like... I don't know, Matt, you had mentioned earlier that changing the scope, adjusting for inflation on our previous category maybe wasn't entirely correct because it seems to scale things so out of favor for Commander 2019. But looking at these numbers, looking at the high density of cards from War of the Spark, for example, I feel like maybe that change is justified just looking at how popular all of these different cards are from those sets. I don't know. Does that make you change your previous evaluation?
0: A little bit, yeah. But then I also think that we need to keep in mind... War of the Spark had 18 cards. Remember who said War of the Spark was their favorite set at the beginning of the show? That was this guy. (laughs) And War of the Spark had 18 cards. That is a huge number of cards that maybe not qualify as staples, but heavy adoption in in what they're able to be run in. So, yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. I I like this comparison a lot more than than the previous category. But, man, Arcane Signet being adopted by 32% of possible decks, that's enormous number, Smothering Tithe at 38% adoption. We we all know Smothering <laughs> Tithe is just bug nutty, incredible card, and it goes in every selesnia deck ever. So
2: of course it's perfect. Uh,
1: just Selesnia? You've got such a myopic view here. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I think there is a logical explanation for a lot of this though. I mean, War of the Spark, um, you've got a ton of Planeswalkers there. Of, of, of the 18 Um, A third of those are Planeswalkers, and they're rather general-use Planeswalkers that can go in any deck that can handle their colors. So we're looking at a bunch of cards that are just effective, whereas Commander 2019, it's a set with four decks that are very, very specific. Like, there's a Morph deck filled with a bunch of cards that are designed to work with Morph, and if you're not playing a Morph deck, you're not going to run those in your ninety nine. So there is a logical explanation to a degree for some of this. The, the sets that have a lot of kind of general use cards, like looking at ravican Allegiance, Smothering Tide can go in any deck running white and generally does because it's a fantastic card. Rhythm of the Wild is a great haste enabler in any deck that can run it, whereas looking at a lot of the cards over in Commander, they're only going to go in that one specific deck.
0: That's a really good point, Dana.
1: That's that's a, a really good evaluation, too. The Commander 2019 was so niche, so it kind of feels inevitable. Yeah, yeah. And I think that niche definitely has a place within each of these sets, mm-hmm. which is why we don't want to fall specifically just on numbers to evaluate what is a best set. Again, it comes down to aesthetics. If you were really looking for a morph commander in Sultai, there's no way that Commander 2019 can't just be your favorite of the year. I mean, it kind of has to be because Kadena finally gave that to you, whereas me or the spark i finally got feathers so it won no matter what numbers we see so like yeah but that's that that niche definitely has a place and this metric of just general ubiquity does sort of have a bias in you know those ways as well so that's a great observation there too we've got one final category that we're going to use to measure the bestness of the set though that is the inclusion among the top 10 cards of the year and these are just within the context of cards within the 99 not cards within the command zone matt
0: let's walk us through So these cards are going to be ranked by the amounts of decks they go into per day, so however long they were legal. We're going to start from the top of the list. Arcane Signet, the most adopted card in the 99 of 2019. 124 decks per day is what Arcane Signet was attributed with. Coming in at second place, Smothering Tithe with 70 decks per day. Prismatic Vista in third with 44 decks, followed up by Fabled Passage with 41 Almost kind of the same card right there. Generous Gift comes in next at 38 decks. Right behind it, Bolus's Citadel with 36 decks per day. Narset Parter of Vales with 35 decks. Narset's Reversal with 33 decks per day. Ninth, Dockside Extortionist, 33 decks per day. So pretty close to Narset's Reversal right there. And finally, Talisman of Creativity, 31 decks per day, coming in at number 10. So that puts the total cards per set or the Spark was tied with Modern Horizons with three cards on the list each, followed up with Throne of Eldraine, put two, decks, or put two cards on the list. Ravnica Allegiance and Commander 2019 each snuck one card into the top 10 cards.
1: This is a lot more disparate than the Commanders that we saw when we used the same metric, where Throne of Eldraine was just absolutely sweeping it. But here it's a lot more divided and we see War of the Spark and Modern Horizons tying. I mean, I gotta admit that particular metric more than any of the other ones that we've looked at today really lines up with my personal preferences in terms of my favorite sets from commander 2019 war of the spark and modern horizons were definitely my favorites so seeing them win this category maybe i'm super biased but this one definitely resonates the most with me
2: definitely and again this this cluster makes sense i mean arcane signet can go in any deck and myself i've jammed it in any deck um (laughs) smothering tide you know if you're playing white like i said you can play that prismatic vista fable passage are going to go in any deck that's probably two or more colors or can go in any way generous gift any white deck those are all six cards at the top of the list there that you can run in any deck that can handle them and probably are better off doing so so i think now what we need to do is look at our
1: final scores we need to see of the sets which one got the most points when we you know compiled all of this information let's move to that now so our first metric was the total number of legends. Which set of the six managed to clinch this particular metric? It was Throne of Eldrin, which had 19 total commanders blowing the rest of the sets out of the water. Even C19, even Commander 2019 had more commanders than that. Absolutely ludicrous. But then we also had the metric of the popularity spread. And in that particular one, when we were looking at the you know density, the variation, the range of the popularity of commanders, Commander 2019 did win this one. It gets the point there because the commander were more even in terms of their popularity distribution our next metric was the rate of adoption of the commanders and throne of eldraine happened to win that one too and it actually gets even better for throne of eldraine it gets a third point when we look at our fourth metric was the top 10 commanders of the year and throne of eldraine had six legendary creatures within the top 10 commanders of the year so once again it gets the point Then we move to our next metrics, which were about the cards within the 99. And this is where things get a little bit thorny. This is where we had that question when we, you know, changed the data, when we sort of shrunk the scope to the top 59 cards and etc. Because we were trying to get rid of those stankers, as we call them. The set that won here was Commander 2019 or War of the Spark. We kind of couldn't make up our minds, but we do need to make up our minds here, guys. Which one would you give it to? for the average card adoption. War of the Spark. Dana? Yeah, War of the Spark. Sounds like we are giving it to War of the Spark because we wanted to eliminate those stankers and shrink all of the sets to the same sample size. So War of the Spark manages to clinch it there. War of the Spark also is the victor of our other metric, the card Ubiquity, looking at the cards over the 10% threshold. War of the Spark clinched it out there with 18 cards that were over the 10% threshold. Super awesome stuff there. And finally the inclusion among the top 10 cards of the year. This was a tie between Modern Horizons and War of the Spark. So our final scores, we've got Throne of Eldraine with three points, Commander 2019 with just one point, Core 2020 with zero points, Modern Horizons with one point, War of the Spark with also three points, and Ravnica Allegiance with zero. So I guess It's a tie between Throne of Eldraine because it dominated the commander categories and War the Spark because it dominated all the others.
0: And I think those are two good sets to pit against each other because they both offered very different things, but what they offered, they did very well.
2: I I will point out, I I still think Modern Horizons won the... What if an equipment could be an aura and also a dragon (laughs) category?
1: Well, here's another metric that we actually didn't even address yet. Modern Horizons was a pretty limited and also really expensive set. That kind of keeps it out of the hands of some players. So... Even when we're looking at shrinking sample sizes or what have you with stuff like Commander 2019, which had fewer, you know, draft chaff quote unquote cards, like Modern Horizons was also just not as widely available, which definitely impacts its numbers. So I think we would see definitely super different numbers for the Modern Horizons Commanders and cards within the 99 if it had had the same level of release as all of the other sets. That's another thing for us to keep in mind. And another reason why... We can't just use numbers to evaluate what the best sets are. It was a really fun experiment for us to go through, but you can't take all of these as gospel, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I guess also I want to ask, did the winners here, Throne of Eldraine and War of the Spark, did that match your guys' expectations? Are these different than your personal favorites? Since, Dana, I know that you would like Modern Horizons a whole lot, but it didn't necessarily sweep the categories here. Anyway, is this sort of what you expected the numbers might turn out to be?
2: I'm not at all surprised. I mean, I think if you would have listened to our set review for War of the Spark, we were all pretty amazed at how many fantastic cards were in the set. And we were very happy with Front of Eldraine as well. Although I think this entire year was a banner year for products containing commander cards. But um, I don't think any of us were shocked that War of the Spark really popped. Yeah, I think that's
1: quite fair. But then again, I knew going into this that I was biased because
2: feather
0: nope this doesn't really surprise me either like dana like dana you said we gushed about dang near every card in war of the spark and then we also talked about how we kind of almost lamented really what the the legendaries especially the brawl decks were doing in throne of eldraine so it's not really surprising that these are so popular but yeah i I think if we divided these up into two categories of commanders and then 99 if you asked the, the typical player to rank them I, I wouldn't be surprised if they came up with the same rankings that these numbers are showing
1: and I also think just you know I when we did our Throne of Eldraine set review. I was a little bit lukewarm on Throne of Eldraine. I think this might kind of point to a reason why, because I also, like you guys, weight the cards in the 99 a whole lot more than I do necessarily the commanders. But that's not the same metric for everyone. I think a lot of folks were justifiably excited for Throne of Eldraine because of the exciting commanders, which, as we can see, were definitely reflected in the data that we just observed. So, it's a whole lot to process. I know that that's been a whole lot of numbers. Congratulations to our victors, Throne of Eldraine and War of the Spark, but especially War of the Spark because it has Feather the Redeemed, <laughs> who I will never stop gushing about even <laughs> though I'm a necromancer. Look, if it's a commander that can turn a necromancer like me into a non-necromancer, that's impressive, right? Anyway, we've talked a lot of numbers so far today. This has been a whole lot of information throughout people. So, I just kind of want to ask if there's anything else, maybe not data related at all, maybe gameplay stuff that you guys had this past week that you'd like to share before. Before we take off for this episode.
2: Well, I will mention, Joey, um, you challenged me to, to build a popular commander. I did. So I I very quickly looked at the list of the most popular commanders in the last two weeks and grabbed one that was in the top five, which was Kenrith, the Returned King. And I built Kenrith, the Returned King, Exalted. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Have you played it? How did I've, it work? I built it and played it. Um, it was, it's very fun to play. I think I lost the three games I played, um, but it played well in all of them. I, I can see some things I can tweak. Um, I actually needed a lower power deck as well because Matt mentioned one of the things he challenged me with was building a deck that can play at any level. Um, I think limiting myself to Exalted Creatures in a five color deck definitely puts a cap on the power, so it will suffice to do that as well. And it was a lot of fun to play. I will say this, though. It was genuinely an uncomfortable experience to reveal my popular (laughs) commander to people. I I did not like it. And at some point, someone's like, oh, you built Kenrith, too. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) like it just made me cringe
0: to hear those words. The Uh, the brand that Dana spent so many years curating has just been shattered. Just Dana, it's like gone.
2: it's like wearing the same prom dress as someone else. <laughs> Dana, you put the broken hip in hipster. We're so <laughs> proud of you.
1: Uh, well, guys, this was a ton of fun. And hey, listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed this introduction to video for the EDH Retcast. You know, we figured that since we were at episode ninety-three, this was the right time to do it because it now means that we've reached the same number of episodes as Dana's age so it just seemed appropriate (laughs) and with that shot fired i think we're going to call this episode to a close
0: that wasn't a shot fired that was a kill shot oh my goodness (laughs) the grenade launched my way anyway with that sir
1: i think we need to call this episode to a close i'd like to thank my co-hosts so much for joining me and if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us where can they find you all
0: matt you can find me on the twitters at mathemus 55 that's m-a-t-h-i-m-u-s
1: And if you're still talking to me, Dana.
2: You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. You can hear me twice a week on my other podcast, CMDR Central, and I'll be watching Matlock <laughs> at four in the afternoon. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can
1: find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. You can find the cast at EDH Retcast on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a question, a keen insight to EDH Rex data, or maybe your own challenge the stats pick that you think we should know about, you can contact us at edhrepcast at gmail.com. Listeners, let us know what you thought of all the data that you saw here, and also let us know if it matches your personal favorite set from 2019. We'd love to hear from you. You can tune in next week for our Theros Beyond Death set review, which again, we've got a fun surprise cooked up for that one. But for now, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.